Hi there, I'm Deb Crow, and I want to welcome you to season four of Imperfect, the heart-centered leadership podcast. This is a podcast where we connect, learn, and laugh together with authentic and courageous leaders from all over the globe. You will learn from leaders you haven't even met yet. You will gain new tools to add to your leadership toolkit because leadership belongs to all of us. It is not measured by stature or title. So please pull up a chair and listen in. This is the Imperfect Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. Okay, here is the first episode in Daylight Savings. It's it's 4.05 Eastern Standard Time. And I'm joined by the lovely Vanessa Bush. And this is kind of a real, I'm going to call it heart-centered episode because this beautiful lady here, we wrote our books together and we're in the same cohort with Professor Eric Coaster from Georgetown. And I was just delighted that you wanted to be on the show. So our little podcast, just by way of intro, because we always have new people listening, we're on season four. We're small but mighty. We love to be obscure, but we've worked our way into the hearts of our listeners in 65 countries, and we really don't take that lightly. So, Vanessa, I want to welcome you to the show, and if you would tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do and where are you from? Yeah, that's a lovely intro. Thank you, Deb. And 65 countries, you said? That's incredible. I feel like that's uh, that's very heart-centered of you. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I'm Vanessa Bush. I, um, I was with Deb. I think we had such a great time and I was so thankful in our cohort when we were writing our books together. There are so many common themes, I think, related between our two books, but, um, I am full-time mom and also full-time worker outside of writing this book. And it was my first book. Um, and it's been a lifelong goal for me. So I'm really, really excited about it and uh, and happy that got to meet some really fabulous people, including yourself. Um, so I serve as customer success manager at People Grow. We're a full student lifecycle platform for students and alumni to really connect to them, to the people and the networks that they need to succeed, which really just resonates with me very personally um, and of course, professionally. But outside of that, I'm a mom to two little boys and um, who are amazing and fabulous and wild. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and first time author. Um, so it's glad to be here. It's it's exciting to say that I've I've co-authored four other books and I've had people say, well, why did you do another one? And I'm like, this one's my baby. This one's solo. It's mine. Yeah. And so I, I join you in validating the emotion of like, it's done. We did it. And it's still very cathartic. I still hold my book and go, this is mine, which I know you do too. And, and we chatted yeah. the other day. So congratulations. Yeah, back at you. <laughs> so I'm going to start with some leadership questions. And my first question is, I love how you describe your job. Your face lights up when you talk about it. You are a people, heart-centered leader. Where do you think in your life, so thinking about your whole journey from kindergarten to now, and, and you're oh among two little people, so this means probably even a deeper emotional question for you. Where do you think you were drawn to work with people and lead people that got you to the job that you are in today? Yeah, that's such a loaded question, but I think, 
since I, before I can honestly remember, even as a little girl, I did all the usual things, playing with dolls and Barbies and, you know, whatnot. But something that's interesting that comes to mind that's pretty unique is that I actually pretended to play therapist or psychologist when I was a kid, which was not usual. (laughs) But I had a notebook of all of the different ways And I'm a writer through and through, even though I just published my first book, I've always been, um, had just a proclivity to writing, but I would write down solutions to problems that I wanted to help people with. Mm. And while I'm not a psychologist and I didn't go that route professionally, um, my, my goal in just in life is to help people feel more comfortable. Mm. I've been told that I am very much uh, a person who you meet and you can immediately feel comfortable with, which is always a goal of mine. For some reason, I always felt like, and this was sometimes true, sometimes not, sometimes in my own head, um, but felt like an outsider a lot and felt like, gosh, I wish I could just be normal. I wish I could feel welcomed and not, didn't have as much anxiety and I didn't feel nervous or fearful of certain things. I talk a lot about that in my book, but my first my first thought and my first reaction when I meet others is how can I make this person feel more comfortable? And that has always been my mission. And so it, I think that working with people, of course, helps me get there and helps me do that. But beyond that, I'm just a people person in general. I cannot work behind a desk and just crunch numbers. No offense to all the accountants out there, but that's just not me. It's just something that I need to be interacting with others. I need to be social, um, COVID was tough for me. I really, Zoom was fine, but you know, even now I um, I would much rather meet people in person and being able to read the social cues and behaviors and body language of people. There's, I was a communication major during college. So it just, it means a lot more to me. So I've, I've kind of always had that proclivity and naturally yeah, and gravity. I, I love that, you know, your wheelhouse of being that people-centric, heart-centered leader the foundation of what's important to you is the trust and rapport, which I get because I come from the medical world. And when you're with somebody, you don't want to miss all the nonverbal stuff. That's where the magic is. And you have such an opportunity to notice and have an engaged, meaningful conversation. It's so beautiful. I love it. Doesn't surprise me. Okay, my second question is so fun. I've asked over 250 leaders this question. It has permanent residency on the show. What imperfections does Vanessa bring to her heart-centered leadership? Oh, wow. This is so very much in my wheelhouse because that's really what my book is about. Uh, (laughs) um, For those who don't know, I published a book called Embracing Your Perfectionist Self. And for me, it was about providing that very sort of, in a fun way, A through Z guide of like, how do I make people find comfort in being just who they are and being okay with that? So, imperfection to me is actually being genuine and being vulnerable, which I don't think is an imperfection. Many of us have been told in this narrative that it is, but, um, and the work of Brene Brown is just amazing and groundbreaking, I think in so many ways about this, but a perceived imperfection is not having it all together, being in control, not being vulnerable. And I am now learning that I need to be the opposite of that if I'm going to be empathetic and genuine and authentic. And that to me makes a really heart-centered leader. As someone that can lead by example, that can lead with their true heart from here, that it makes sense here, but here, 
um, in your head and in your heart. And it just living authentically and being your true self, being with, with humor, being mm-hmm. self-deprecating um, and losing that sense of control and being vulnerable and open. I've actually never felt more free. So it's counterintuitive in some ways, but I am very much trying to get out of that perfectionist mindset and more, how can I embrace wanting to be like that? But then also trying to understand that those sometimes impossibly high goals are not actually achievable. Um, So for me, imperfection is about loosening those expectations, lowering the, the standards that I set for myself and trying to just be me without losing that sense of self. I love that. And, and you segue, nice, because my third question is about your book. So tell <laughs> us the name of your book. Yeah. Tell us how you got the discipline and structure to drop the imperfection to get this book written. Yeah. Um, I was getting in my own way, like many of us, I'm sure can attest. Mm-hmm. I pulled every sort of excuse out of the, out of the book. Um, when speaking with Eric about this book first, I thought, well, I think it's a great time, but I'm also, I'm excited by it, but I'm also nervous. And I feel like maybe it's moving too quickly and maybe this isn't the right time. We just, you know, moved homes and I have a young, young child. Um, at the time I had a three-year-old and like just a very recent newborn and thinking, gosh, well, this probably doesn't seem like the best time to write a book. Um, and just in talking to him and others was like, well, it's never going to be a good time. Um, I'm always going to find an excuse in some way to not do it. But this was the reason I wrote the book. And again, it's it's called Embracing Your Perfectionist Self, a satirical A through Z guide on finding comfort and inspiration being good enough was because I felt like I owed it to myself. I said to my parents when I was younger, it's such a vivid memory. I know exactly where I was um, when I said it to my dad. And I said, uh, if it were a perfect world, pencils wouldn't need erasers because we wouldn't make mistakes. And I probably should have sent me to therapy right away. <laughs> but, you know, my dad was like, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> like, why is an eight-year-old so afraid of making mistakes? Why do I think that's always a bad thing? Mm-hmm. And for me, the writing the book was very cathartic because it allowed me to realize that I am imperfect. And that's okay. I don't, it's good to have goals and it's good to be grounded and in, in wanting more and be ambitious, but I don't have to be the best. I can just try my best. I can lose a little bit of control, but still be in control of my own feelings and my own actions. There was just learning how to let go of certain expectations, certain goals, certain unattainable reaches, and realizing that, again, humor empathy and being true to you are just so freeing and writing it for me, but also writing it for my sons. I want to be that good example to them. I don't want them to grow up in an environment that I did. And it wasn't parent driven. It was more community driven for me where it was like growing up, you had to get A's. An A minus was like, eh, an A was better. An A plus was better. You had to be in honors classes. If you were in college prep, that was considered not so great. Um, if you were trying your best, that was fine, but you've got to really, really reach higher. You got to be number one all the time. And I just felt like that was exhausting. And I was tired of living in that cycle. So I wrote it for me, that eight-year-old self. I wrote it for my sons. And oddly enough, it just, it was actually pretty easy. <laughs> Dare I say easy? 
um, I felt like the words were just sort of coming out. It was very, like I said, cathartic. I felt like it was always in me. I just needed to put put that down on paper. And a lot of people who know me well are like, you're a mom and you're, you just moved houses and you've got an actual full-time job like outside of writing. When are you doing this? And I said, well, they're like, that seems like a, such a huge task and it's such a huge goal. How do you break it down? I'm like, small goals can really help you achieve big things. Yeah. And that's something I always have kind of struggled with. It's like, I want to go here, but in zero to 60 and it's not possible, but I can go two miles an hour at first, then build up to four, then build up to eight. And so it was those smaller chunks of time yeah. when kids were down, I'm a night owl. <laughs> and so 10 PM came and I would just be typing away um, when all the world was asleep. And I felt like my brain had kind of quieted down. I could write my truth. Um, and speaking with others, when I interviewed them, did a little bit of research, not too heavy on it, but just time, it was time to tell my story. And it was just a lifelong goal I had had to publish a book. And it's finally here. And it's here. I, I look forward to exchanging books with you. Um, I'm definitely, we're definitely going to do that after the interview. <laughs> and and there's so much synergy and alignment coming from two different perspectives. And I, I just, I just see a value add. Yeah. I, I'm excited to read your book. So my last question is, if you had to sit down the eight-year-old Vanessa today, mm. and I'm and I'm going to put some context in one sentence, what would you say to her? I'd say, go easy on yourself. Go and that, easy. that holds a lot of merit, and and just from what you have already said with your other leadership questions, and and I love that you framed your perfectionism wasn't from your parental upbringing. It was from your community. And a lot of people don't even have that level of deep insight like that. Yeah. That's amazing. And I also want to say that I align with you when you say you always felt like an outsider. We, as a child, I was uprooted like every two years from kindergarten to grade nine you just get settled in, get your new room, get your new teacher, get some friends. And it's like, we're moving. So when you say that, like on a visceral level, I feel it. And I, and I do love change, funny yep. enough, even though I had so much, because I always see it as an adventure or an opportunity, probably because as a young mind, that's how I was processing it. Um, right. But I, I do want to say that I resonate and align with you. And I, I really get what you mean when you say that. Okay, I'm going to move into my fab four. So these are just four rapid questions. I don't want you to think. We just want to know what's on top of that brilliant mind of yours because we know it's not perfect. It's uh, no. which we love. We love. We love to to sit in imperfection on the show. Yep. Okay, first question: What word or phrase do you say on the daily within your leadership role? Whoa. Gosh, that's actually a tough question. Um, if I went to any of your coworkers and said, what's something that Vanessa always says? What would they say? <laughs> Is there a word or a phrase? Um, I don't know if there's necessarily a common word or phrase. So I, I for context, I work with um, like a lot of higher ed institutions on the career alumni side with our technology platform. Um, so I'm always trying to make recommendations. I would say probably the top word I say is, is most likely strategy. <laughs> um, because I'm trying to be, 
I'm trying to create some sort of cohesive strategic like ideas and decisions that then those teams can then take and run with. Um, Absolutely. Not every audience is going to be the same. Not every partner has the same goals. Absolutely. Okay, second question, and you can't use your own book. (laughs) What book have you read at any juncture of your life that was really impactful, life-changing? What's the name of the book and the author? and, And what was the impact it had on you? Oh gosh, that is such a great question. I'm actually really glad you asked because I know exactly what um, what to say here. The book that really is amazing is called, um, it's actually an Australian um, author. It's First, We Make the Beast Beautiful. Um, it's the journey through anxiety. The cover of it, by the way, is just amazing. It's of an octopus, all these sort of like little, like, pentacles. Like, ja- yeah, but like Jackson Pollock-esque kind of dots everywhere. Nice. Um, and it's Sarah, um, oh gosh, it's Sarah Wilson. And it's funny because this, I remember picking up the book and saying, it's actually a recent book for me that I read, but um, she does mention not wanting to um, like overcome, but embrace. And I'm like, girl, that is like, like exactly what I say in my book. Like, it's not about, I'm not trying to overcome anything because there's parts of me that will always be a perfectionist. I can't, that's part of my just ingrained nature and personality. Mm -hmm. There's some of the nature, but there's definitely the nurture in me that just won't ever go away. But how do I manage it in healthier ways? And I felt like she spoke directly to me in like, as I was reading that book jacket, I was like, wow, she literally even highlighted and italicized the word embrace. She's like, I'm not trying to make this something that just goes away, but like embrace it, own it in a way that's actually going to be healthy for you. I love it. Okay, third question's fun, but it it has context. I'm granting you a wish. Mm. And you get to have dinner with a leader of your choice. And this leader might be living, they might be passed away. Who are you having dinner with? And what is the dinner conversation? Brene Brown, 100%. Um, And the topic would be definitely vulnerability. Um, I reference a a lot uh, of her work in in that chapter. Um, So again, for context in my book, every chapter, it's an A through Z guide, right? So like A is for ambition and B is about being the best, C is for control. And I I go through the entire alphabet. Um, B is all about that vulnerability piece. And, you know, something I realized was like, it's not actually a hindrance. It's not a bad thing, Um, especially as a leader, is a superpower, If you think the more times that you open to people and share your genuine concerns, ideas, hesitations, whatever it is, if you're putting it all out there, that actually makes you more trustworthy, more authentic, more likely to have people actually listen or respect you. And it just opens up way more conversation. It leaves people feeling actually like they can share their own truths or their own hesitations or their own ideas. As soon as you start being tapping into the fact that you're human, people respond in a really Absolutely. positive way. That would yeah. be a fun dinner. I might have to join you with that one. <laughs> no one's not her yet on the show. Yeah. I just, I'm the same. I love her work. I love all of her books. Um, a story that I've never told on the show is, I think after her third book, some, I think it was Dare to Lead, mm-hmm. I got really brave and I hired her to come speak in my city. Wow. And everyone was like, how are you going to do this? And I said, I'm just going to do it. 
And I was just ready to secure two big sponsors. It was all coming together. I knew it would sell out. And she sent me the loveliest email. And she said, you know my history. And she said, they just added 25 tour dates to my book tour. And I can't come to London. But she said, our paths will meet again if they're supposed to. And... Keep daring and and be brave and leading. And um, so, yeah, if you get her for dinner, I'm coming. (laughs) You're my first call, Deb. And I hope to to get her because um, I would love to have her come speak in our city. And um, I love her vulnerability. I love how she talks about her mental health and super big fan as well. And I do reference her a little bit in my book. So I think we're really going to enjoy each other's books by the sounds of things. 100%. Um, I thought about sending her or her team a copy of the book. Why not? Why not? Exactly. What is the worst? Why not? As my mom used to say, brilliant woman. um, She said, if you never ask, the answer is always no. Yeah. And that is one of those little nuggets that's always stuck with me. It's like, well, if you never put out the question, you'll never get an answer. And and add to that, think big and act fast because there is no perfection. So do it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Do it, girl. Well, congratulations, my 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 fellow author. It was such a delight to write with you this last year. And I wish and you nothing but continued success. I'm excited to share your episode with all of our listeners. I'm going to have you close out the show by finishing this sentence for me, which is perfect because you're a communication major. <laughs> Heart-centered leadership is brave. Thanks so much for joining me today on Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the show today and have learned some new tools for your leadership toolkit from our amazing Heart-Centered guest. If you like the show, feel free to give us a rating and a review, and we always welcome your feedback anytime. If you're ready to master the art of heart, my new book, The Heart-Centered Leadership Playbook, is now available on Amazon, or you can click the link below in our description.